Um, today, I want to introduce our guest speaker for today. His name is Pastor Frank Reitzel. You could join us up here. Um, Pastor Frank, he works in our Assemblies of God Network office down in Burlington, New Jersey, and he's like a pastor to all of the pastors here in New Jersey. So I'm going to hand it off to you. You got your own mic. Great. Gavin. Thank you, Gavin. I'm going to ask Brian and his wife to come here to the platform. Brian and I have this long-standing conversation that he told me that he got married. And I never saw any proof of this. This is the first, I'm telling you, this is the first time, this is your wife. I'm Frank. So nice to meet you, Caitlin. He always tells me that he's married, and I, I, I talk to him at all the meetings, every meeting. I said, where's your wife? I, I said, you're really not married, are you? So now I find out. So we brought a gift just in case. I didn't know you were going to be here. I thought you were on vacation or something like that. So I was going to give it to somebody and give it to your fake wife. But, <laughs> but hey, we, the, on behalf of the New Jersey Ministry Network, and thank you, Brian, Caitlin, for all of your leadership in this church and this community. We're so thankful for you. you. We love you. We thank God for you. This is a gift for both of you. So. <laughs> Okay, God bless you, Brian. Caitlin, so nice to meet you. I'm going to ask if you'll turn with me in your Bible, please, to Joshua chapter 1. In verse 1, you should have received a um, little outline, perhaps, on your chair. When I pastored, I always had an outline for when I spoke. And the people always told me, hey, Pastor Frank, that was always so helpful. I saw Sam here before. He was part of the church community. Um, he, he understands this, but uh, hopefully you have that. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, I know that probably all of you don't know who I am. And so I know it's kind of hard to listen to somebody if you don't know a little bit about them. I don't like to talk about myself, I promise. But I just want to tell you a little bit about myself so you know who's talking to you. Uh, I'm married. This is my wife, Cindy, right here. We've been married for 41 years, yeah, and we have two children. Um, I'm a preacher's kid, so I grew up in the church all of my life. My mom and dad were both incredible spiritual leaders. My mom played the organ and the piano back then when they had organs in churches, and so I was on the platform in her stomach before I was ever born. So I'm, you know, I'm church through and through. Uh, 12 years old, I got a call to uh, the ministry. I ran away from that. I did a Jonah. Anybody know about Jonah at all? Yeah, so I did that. I started studying engineering and God walked into my room, in my dorm room and recalled me, I answered the call, and went to a ministry-oriented uh, uh, university and uh, interned at a couple churches. I was a youth pastor. I'm so glad I'm not a youth pastor anymore. I can't take those late nights and that awful food I had to eat all the time, just junk food. 
And then I became an executive pastor, then a pastor, and then I was called to be a pastor of pastors. I helped oversee the churches in New Jersey and the pastors. So that's a little bit about who I am. Um, I told you I had two children, and I have two grand dogs. I just want to show you our two grand dogs, okay? That's uh, Basil on the left and Sparta on the right. So we've been grandparents to these dogs for about four or five years, and we thought that was going to be our lot the rest of our lives, being grandparents to these two dogs. And then my daughter had a child a year ago, and if you look, that's, uh, that's Steel Boaz, so we have one grandchild, and we just found out a couple weeks ago we're going to have another one. So this is a little girl. I don't know if you can see the little legs in there on the, the one side. So uh, I don't, any grandparents in the house here? Yeah, so my wife and I are like really amateurs at this. We're like stepping all over boundaries, stepping places where we're not supposed to go. We don't, we're saying sorry all the time. So any counsel that you can give to us, we'll take it because uh, we need lots of help. That's for sure, my wife and I. So, okay, we're in Joshua. Chapter 1, verse 1. Would you mind bowing your heads with me just for a moment? And let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you in Jesus' name. And I thank you for these precious people in this sacred room this morning. They've taken their time to get dressed, take their showers, drive here, bring their families here put on socks of, on their kids and all kinds of stuff that they, they did to get here. And we thank you that they took the time to honor you this morning. We ask now, as we're here, that you'll speak clearly to us through your word. And we ask that the whisper of your Holy Spirit will be very clear to us today. Help us not only to hear what your word has to say, but let us actually do anything that you're calling us to do. We'll thank you for it. We ask these things in the strong name of your Lord, our Lord and Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now, I don't know if you know the background. I'm sure you've read Joshua before. But the people in that are in, that we're going to read about in Joshua, they're actually, we're going through kind of the same thing that all of us are going through right now. We're coming out of a pandemic, and I, I'm realizing it's a whole new world than what I grew up in. It's just, there's so many changes. It's a brand new world, and these people are in the same situation you find in Joshua 1. It's a new world for them. Their iconic leader, Moses, is dead. And the assistant, his name is Joshua, is now the leader of two million people. And they took all this journey. It was an 11-day journey. It took them 40 years. You'll read that in the Bible. They started in Egypt, went through the wilderness. 
and came into the, what's called now the, the, what they call the promised land. And the book of Joshua, if you read it, it's really a book of success. It's been called a book of success. This generation has been called one of the most successful generations the planet has ever seen. They brought the vision of God, the promised land and God, they brought it all together. And so they're going through all these changes. A new, a new land, a new world, a new leader. And they succeeded. If you read the book of Joshua, you'll see they lived incredibly significant lives, very successful lives. You'll see words like success and prosper in this book. I know some of us in the church get nervous at that, but it's actually in the Bible. So this morning, as we go through these next couple of verses, if you want to live an average, mediocre life, you have my permission to go to sleep right now. But if you want to live a life of significance, then I would pay attention to the next couple of verses that we're going to read. It's not because I'm saying anything. It's because of what the scriptures say. So go with me to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. And if you look on your little outline, you'll see in the top of there how to thrive in your new world, how to live a significant life in your new world. There's three things. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the first nine verses. It's incredible, but I'm just only going to give you three. So here's the first one. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. I just want to stop right there. The Lord spoke to Joshua. You, as you go through this book, you realize that one of the reasons why they thrived, why Joshua and the people of God thrived, they actually heard the voice of God. Your pastor alluded it to it just a few minutes ago. I think the church has forgotten that we have a communicating God. He communicated a whole book to us. The second person of the Trinity is called the Word. And the Word speaks words. We have it in the scripture. But for some reason, we think that God has gone mute. He, he doesn't know how to speak anymore. Nothing could be so untrue. The scriptures have no idea of what that thinking is. You start in the book of Genesis and you realize that Adam and Eve, in the cool of the day, they spoke with God. And you go a few books down the Bible to this book called 1 Samuel. I'm just skipping a lot of books, but I'm just giving you a few examples. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, there's, there's this little guy named Samuel. And he's sleeping in bed. And he hears a voice. And so he goes to the priest and he says, here I am. You called me. And the priest says, I did not call you. Go back to bed. And so he goes back to bed and he hears this voice again. Oh, I, I know I heard it. So he goes to the priest. He says, here I am. I know you spoke to me. And the priest says, no, I didn't. Go back. 
This happens three times till the priest finally discerns that God is actually speaking to this little boy. He becomes an incredible spiritual leader on the planet. His name is Samuel. If you go uh, a little bit more into the New Testament, or even before the New Testament, there's this guy named Elijah. Any, I don't know if any of you are discouraged or depressed today. There's this guy named Elijah. He was ready to commit suicide, and God speaks to him. He's depressed, he's discouraged, and he hears the voice of God. When you go into the New Testament, Mark chapter 1, you see about Jesus. He takes uh, like what's called to, with some people a quiet time with his heavenly Father. He goes to a solitary place in Mark chapter 1, and he gets actual strategy from his heavenly Father, direction for the day. He gets direction from his heavenly Father. And then if you kind of go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit speaks to the, Holy, the, the church all throughout the book of Acts. You'll see Acts 13, it says, separate to me. It says, actually says, the Holy Spirit said, separate to me Saul and Barnabas. And then you go a couple more chapters, Acts chapter 15. The early church talks about, it was good to us and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. And then all the way at the end of the Bible, Revelation, no less than seven times, it says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So you kind of find out in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, why they became so significant, why this generation became so significant, so successful, so prosperous, they learned to hear the voice of God. It's something that we have lost in our world. We know how to hear social media. We have trained ourselves to hear social media, the news, sports, but we have not trained ourselves. We've lost the ability to hear the voice of God. I think this verse is in your PowerPoint. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Paul says this, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved at the coming of our, be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see what it says? It's may your whole spirit, soul, and body. What Paul is pointing out there is that you and I are more than just flesh and blood. You and I have a spirit. We have a soul. That's why we, one of the reasons why we come to church to remind us that we are more than a body. The reason I say this is that because some people say, well, I have never heard the audible voice of God. Some people claim that they have. I have never have. But the, God is spirit. John chapter 4 is very clear on this. God is spirit. And the way he speaks is to our spirit, our soul. That's why I pointed that verse out, because you're more than a body. God is able to speak to your spirit by the Holy Spirit. There's this other verse. I have this in your uh, PowerPoint, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. It says this. But as it is written, eye has not seen, 
nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his who? Through his who? Through his spirit. That's how God can speak to you if you're not too busy. So I'm trying to walk into your life today, and I challenge you to learn to cult, God bless you, to learn to cultivate the voice of God in your life. There is this great visionary philosopher, a bio, biologist, his name is D. Sheldare, and he, he said it this way. He said, we are not uh, human beings having a spiritual experience. We are actually spiritual beings having a human experience. Peter Marshall, the old chaplain, said it this way. He said, your body is just to actually carry around the real you inside of you, your soul, your spirit. So Joshua 1, verse 1, when it says, God spoke to Joshua, he heard the voice of God. The people of God hear the voice of God. That's one of the reasons you read through that book, why they prospered, why they lived significant lives, they actually slowed down enough to hear the voice of God. I'm standing before you. I'm, an, I'm what's called an extroverted introvert. I do not like to speak publicly. I just, I just don't, but I can. And uh, my a uh, favorite thing to do is to find a corner and read a book. I, I could live that way. But God, for some reason, spoke to me. He walked into my life. I'm 12 years old. And, um, in fact, it was kind of like right where Pastor Brian's sitting. It was in that pew right there in the front pew. My dad was preaching, and my dad got done around 9 o'clock at night. And he had an altar call when people come forward to the altar and I just happened to kneel right there. The miracle was not only that God spoke to a 12-year-old, but the miracle is that I didn't get up off my knees until 11 o'clock, two hours later. My mom always said, Frank, you have all muscles to move, none to sit still with. But I was still for two hours. It was a miracle. And I heard in my spirit a voice saying, you are to be called into the ministry. You're to be a minister of the gospel. And then I heard this other thing. It was Psalm 121. I had no idea. To me, that was ludicrous. And I'll tell you why. My mom and dad, we got in the car and we drove home. And on the way home, mom and dad, they're in the front seat. I'm in the back seat. They turn around and they say, Frank. Evidently, God was doing something in your life. We've never seen you that still before. And you just, it seemed like God was saying, you want to share with us? And I said, I think God wants me to be a minister. And I said, but this other thing came into my mind that it makes no sense to me. It kept saying Psalm 121. But I know there's no book in the Bible that has 121 chapters. 
And my mom said, Frank, the book of Psalms has 150 chapters. And so we all went home and we read Psalm 121. It was like a promise to me. It's one of the most incredible chapters in the Bible. It's very special to me. And so God spoke to my heart. And then I did my Jonah. I did my own deal. I was studying engineering. And then at 18 years of age, no, 19 years of age, God walked into my dorm room and he spoke to my spirit again and said, what are you doing here? I was studying my calculus homework. He said, why are you studying this? This is not why you were created. And that's a long story on that. But I answered that call. That's why I'm standing in front of you today, is because I heard the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Brian said that uh, I'm a pastor of pastors, so when I'm on the phone, when, when somebody calls me, it's never to say, I love you, okay, I promise you. It's always that there's a fire on the other end of my phone. It's, they always just call me for problems. That's the reason why people call me. And so when I'm on the phone with people, they'll give me these complicated things to do. And I'm thinking, they, they're saying, I have no idea what to do. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> I have no idea to help you get out of the hole you just dug yourself in. And then I'll just whisper to the Lord, Lord, help me. I don't know what to say. And then this thought comes into my mind that, is way much smarter than who I am. And I'll just share it. It's like the Holy Spirit says, share this. And I share it. And they say, that's what I needed, or that's part of what I needed. I just bet God has done that with you. I encourage you today to cultivate that more in your life. If you do, if you hear, the voice of God, cultivate that. I'm going to tell you a little bit how to kind of deal with that if you're not sure what it is in just a moment. But cultivate the voice of God in your life, and you'll begin to, be, you'll begin to live a significant life. So that's number one. Number one was cultivate God's voice. Number two is this, cultivate God's word. Cultivate God's word. If you look there in... Chapter 1, verse 7, it says this, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law. And if you read verses 7 and 8, it's called also the law of the Lord. What it is, it's actually the scriptures. Some people call it the Torah, the Pentateuch. And so what God is actually saying to Joshua, he says, Observe my word. Observe my words. The biggest gap in church is the gap of hearing and doing God's word. Most of us can give answers, church answers to any question, because we've heard so much. But very few of us actually obey and do observe, according to this word here, observe what God asks us to do. There's this great uh, uh, um, verses in the New Testament of Jesus, Matthew 7, 24 to 26. 
It talks about the wise man and the foolish man. Anybody ever read about the wise man and the foolish man? When I was in children's church, uh, anybody ever have, go to Sunday school or children's church here? Yeah? Some of you? Okay. There was a song that they would always lead. It was, it was called, The wise man built his house upon the rock. Right? The wise man built his Right? You know it. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. The guys say, oh, the rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. Well, there's a whole different verse. Maybe, Brian, I could be your worship leader. I, you know, I can. I'm only teasing. I'm only teasing. Okay. But there's another verse to that. It says, the foolish man built his house on the what? The sand in the house went splat. And most people skip over these verses, what Jesus said. I've not heard too many people talk about this part of it. It says, the wise man heard... And did. It says the foolish man heard, but did not do. So if you at least hear the word of God, you're at least a fool. Let that sink in. So you can listen to preaching for 40 years and still be very immature and still be foolish because foolish people hear the word of God. It's not wrong to hear. You you want to hear the word of God, but foolish people just hear the word of God. Wise people hear and then they actually do what the Bible says. So that's what God is saying there. He says, only be very strong and courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper. There's that word again. That you may prosper wherever you go. Now, one of the things that falls to me as a leader of pastors is that when a pastor goes off the rails, he falls immorally, then I'm one of a few people that have to help them. And so one of the pastors that fell, uh, they usually have to go through what's called a time of restoration or rehabilitation. They've, you know, when you injure yourself, you go through rehab. This is when you injure your soul, you have to go through rehab or restoration. And so we have talks on, not only on the front end, but we talk with them through the whole restoration. But then on the back end, we do a talk with them. And I'll never forget one of the conversations that we had with one of the pastors. And we said, you just blew up your life. Uh, What would you say to other pastors or Christians so that they would not do this? And he gave four things. I have them written down in my computer. But one of the things was this. He said, 
He said, I stopped taking my time in God's word. Just think that one through. A pastor stopped taking time in God's word. You see, the word of God brings strength, it brings correction, it brings prosperity. He stopped living a significant life of success and prosperity because he stopped living with the word of God. And that's why God says to Joshua, get into my words that you may prosper wherever you go. And then it says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do, there it is again, according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. There's those words again. Look at the, that part of verse 7 and 8 there it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. So what he's talking about, he's saying this. He says, keep the word of God right here. Don't turn from it to the right. Don't turn from it to the left. But keep it right here. It's symbolic. Where it should never depart from your mouth. You should always be speaking the words of God. Now just think that through. Here's Joshua. He's going to lead two million people. He's never had to do this. He never had to do this before. And it's, it's a whole new world that he has to do. And so what God is saying to him, he said, you got to take your words, your life, how you live, what you observe in your life, you have to go now to a new level. If you're going to fulfill the purpose, the purpose says, for which you've created, you can't speak like you used to speak anymore. You can't talk. You can't do. You have to live different. If you're going to live a significant life in this world, if you're going to live a successful life in this world, you've got to start talking different. You've got to start thinking different. You've got to start living different. He says, if you do that, you're going to prosper and succeed. So, number two point, cultivate God's word. I'm going to walk into your life and say, let this be a part of your life. Because what happens is that the word of God helps you discern the voice of God. Because I don't know if you've ever heard it on uh, TV or seen it in the tabloids when you're walking through the, the grocery store. You know, a guy says, they have an interview with this guy. Guy, he, he, he shoots his mother-in-law. And he says, well, God told me to, right? God told me to shoot my mother-in-law. Well, see, if that voice comes into your ear, you may want to shoot your mother-in-law. But you put that through this. And, and guess what? Guess what? God does not want you to shoot your mother-in-law, no matter how tempted you are. He does not want you to shoot your mother-in-law. I'm sorry about this. So what happens is when you're in the Word of God, the, the voice, the Word of God helps you filter the Word of God. Oh, I, I'm not sure. I was talking about this. I was preaching about this, uh, this one subject area one time. And people came up to me and they said, 
well, how do you know if it's the voice of God? I said, you always put it through here. You put it through here. That's how you can tell. Or you go to someone who's ahead of you and knows this even better than you. They will help you with that. Okay, so let's move on. So, number one is you cultivate the Word of God. And number one, you cultivate the voice of God. Then you cultivate the Word of God. Oh, I just, I don't want to go past this. Anybody ever heard of A.W. Tozer? I think this is on your your PowerPoint. A.W. Tozer, he said this. Whatever keeps me from the Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to be. Whatever engages my attention when I should be meditating on God and things eternal does injury to my soul. Let me accept anything else instead of the scriptures, and I have been cheated and robbed to my eternal confusion. A true lover of God will also be a lover of his word. You see, when you take the word of God off the table of your life, you just took significance in your life off the table. You took success off the table in God's eyes. You took prosperity off the table. Keep the word of God cultivated in your life. And then number three, I know I'm running out of time. I'm so sorry. Cultivate God's presence. So you cultivate God's voice, cultivate God's word, cultivate God's presence. I think we miss this. Look what it says in verses 5 and 9. It says this. This is God speaking to Moses. It says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor what? Nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's a catchphrase going around is that people are not self-aware. They don't have self-awareness, meaning they do goofy things and they don't know that they do goofy things until somebody walks into their life and they do goofy things for 40 years because nobody talks to them and tells them, you're doing goofy things, stop doing that. And they're not very self-aware. Well, people are not very self-aware, but we're also not very God-aware. The Bible says that he's with you wherever you go. I love Psalm 139. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the, the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, you are there. I didn't come today to try to find God's presence. God was with me when I drove here. He's with me wherever I go. And if you would just know that, that would change your whole life. My, uh, my daughter, um, she's the one that has the, the two children now. She's uh, my little girl. She's 34, 34 years old. I know 34 is pretty old, but she all, will always be my little girl. But when she was little, when she was five years old, I coached her t-ball team. Anybody know what t-ball is? A few of you. T-ball is when five and six-year-olds pretend to like baseball. 
The only people who like it are the parents. And so what it is, is they put a little ball on top of a tee, and they hit it, and they run everywhere than where they're supposed to go. And I happened to coach her t-ball team one time. And that season was like purgatory to me. I was so glad when that season was over. Um, they, they're throwing dirt out on the field. They're picking dandelions. They have no, no desire to play ball. They're there because their parents pretty much asked them to do that or told them to do that. So I'm coaching t-ball. So as a coach, I have to go early. And so uh, Steffi is her name. Steffi and I, we went early to the field to get the field prepared. The, the coach has to do that. And so I got all this stuff and she's running down to the field and she's got her little cap on. I don't know if you've ever seen, they got a little cap on, they got a shirt that goes all the way down to their knees. And she's running, my little five-year-old, she's running down. And uh, I see two little boys down there with their hats and they got bats on their shoulders and stuff like that. My, my daughter, she's so bubbly, uh, I'd love for you to meet her. And she's going down, she's all happy, ready to play ball. And I see her stop in front of these two little boys and I see the bats come off their shoulders. And they start walking her backwards. And so I pick up my pace and I put my stuff down and I come up right behind Steffi. And she backs up right into me. And uh, they're saying not so nice things. I could hear it. They weren't saying not so nice things to her. And they wrapped, she wrapped her arms, she backed up and she wrapped her arms around me, looked up. And I said, Steffi, are you okay? And she said, I'm okay now, Daddy. There's something about knowing that your heavenly father is on the ball field with you. When people are swinging bats at you, to know that he's with you wherever you go. He's not just here with you. When you go out those doors, you get in your car. He's with you wherever you go. And that's one of the reasons why Joshua and the people of God were so successful. Not only did they hear the voice of God and they cultivated the, the word of God, but they cultivated God's presence. When you know that God is with you, you're so much bolder. You're not afraid. You don't fear. My dad died. Um, a year ago. And Psalm 23 was one of the chapters that he and mom um, taught me. And he was, I saw he was losing his life. He was sunsetting into Alzheimer's. Uh, he lived in another state. And so I would call him every day, every day. And I'd always end my conversation with dad because he was alone a lot of times in a, in a home to take care of him because he, 
wasn't able to take care of himself. That's where he wanted to go. So I'd always end the phone conversation with my dad. Dad, can I pray for you? He said, oh, I'd love you to pray with me, son. And uh, I always said, hey, now before I hang up, I'm going to quote Psalm 23 with you. Just to remind you what you always reminded me when I was younger. Oh, yeah, I'd love that. And so I'd say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Can I walk into your life today and say you will live a significant, prosperous, successful life if you remember that your God is with you wherever you go. The presence of trials does not mean the absence of God. It means that God walks with you through those valleys. You're never alone. So I challenge you today, three things. Cultivate the voice of God. Cultivate the word of God. Cultivate the presence of God in your lives. You'll never be the same. I'm going to ask if you'll bow your heads with me, please. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you. Again, I just want to thank you for every person in this holy room. I pray that you would become so rich and real to their lives as never before today when they walk out these doors, Lord. Friends, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I don't know who you are. You, you don't know who I am. So this is easy for me to say, me to ask, are, are you right with God? Are you where you should be with God? I, I don't condemn you if you're not right with God. I promise you, I was there. And somebody helped me to get back with God. That's all I simply want to help you do, if you want to go that way. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Frank, I'm not right with God, or maybe a long time ago I was right with him, but I'm not where I should be with him. Again, I don't condemn you. Here's your first step, is to say a prayer to God. If you want to get back where you need to be with God, pray this prayer with me. If you've never been right with God, but you want to get right with God, would you pray this prayer with me? You can pray it out loud if you want. You can pray it in the privacy of your own heart and mind. But say something like this. The reason I'm doing this is this, this is how somebody helped me to get right back with God. So that's what I just want to do. I just want to help you. So say something like this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. 
I know I'm not where I should be with you. But I want to get it right this morning. I ask you to forgive me from all of my sins. I invite your Holy Spirit to come into my life and change me from the inside out. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. That he rose from the dead. That I could live eternally with him in heaven. Thank you, God, for hearing me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to speak to your pastor or one of the spiritual leaders here in the church. They will celebrate with you. They'll give you a Bible if you need one. They'll help you to grow in your walk with God. That was just simply a first step. But you need to grow now in your walk with God. Now, before I'm done, I just want to ask you to bow your heads just one more time. I just want to go through this with you. If you want to cultivate the voice of God in your life, to be sensitive and aware to the voice of God, just take a moment right now and pray that to God. Say, God, I want to be more aware of your voice. I want to hear more of you. Pray something like that. Would you take a moment to do that? Then if you know that you need to cultivate the Word of God more in your life, take a moment right now and ask God, Lord, help me, show me how to cultivate your word more in my life. Then finally, if you're not as aware of God's presence as you should be, and you want to be, pray that to God. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I want to be more aware of you in my life. That you're with me no matter where I am. Pray that. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that everyone who prayed those prayers, that it will be fulfilled in their lives. We know that you heard them. We ask that you will fulfill it deeply in their lives. Let this church be known as a people who hear the voice of God, who know the word of God, and who are aware of the presence of God. Bless them, keep them, 
Cause your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Give them your peace and your favor. We ask this in the strong name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.